There's a totally awesome new Hulk in town. Well, there was three years ago. They've probably brought Bruce back to life by now. the podcast where we talk about the comics and graphic novels worth having on your shelf i'm taylor trask and i'm todd a and we are back with another book review episode i we i, I say that because we've kind of gotten off the beaten path for a little yeah. while i mean I feel like we're, we're back, back on, on the path for weeks so it's not like it's this is new but it's just like oh yeah we're we're back to books we're back to books yeah stuff. This is actually one, um, and I mean, I know we're going to chit-chat a little bit, but I, I had that, that pleasant experience of uh, um, reading a comic without thinking of it for the show in mind, oh, you know? Okay. So yeah, I definitely feel like we're back in that spirit of, because we did, we had all the Game of Thrones season and we had like, we did special episodes on Endgame and uh, summer movies and stuff like that. And, and it, it became that thing of like doing a book episode was like an assignment. Yeah, this, yeah. This week I felt like, oh, we don't actually have an assignment, and we were sort of trying to schedule out the show. And um, uh, it, you you have put in some long hours, <laughs> and and weren't really up to to talking about a book. And and I was like, oh yeah, I just read a book for fun last week. Let's talk about that. So, yeah, yeah. I like how I like it had been experience. going. It was all books of books of pleasure, and not like, oh, here's my here's my assignment. I mean, not that those are bad too. I mean, it's kind of no. fun to to give yourself a deadline. This isn't all just uh usually folks this isn't just you know by the seat of our pants we try to have a plan and yeah and all well, that and we uh, we do have a we we do try to have a plan we also um we also want the when we do have an assignment it's because we want to talk about a book that we think is special in yes. some way exactly. so even if it's an assignment it's not like yeah i mean we don't we don't get like publicist emails or anything asking us to talk about stuff god knows we we pull stuff from years and years ago you know like it's That's this, right. this is uh it's totally up to us. And so that's, um, but it is always fun when it's just like, ah, oh, I just, you know, there's no intellectual reason for me to talk about this. It's just a fun book. Um, although maybe I do a, too many fun books. Uh, I'll have to look into that. There are some really good fun books. I keep think I keep going back to, I'm an Albion and you're an Alabin or whatever. Oh that, my God. That, book is. that was yes. a, that was such a fun pick. That was such a fun, fun, heartwarming pick for the whole family. I, I got to tell you, I last week, uh, traveled to see my, my whole family, um, but, uh, my niece and nephew specifically were there and my niece read bits of that to my nephew and it was the most adorable thing you've ever seen. So well, I <clears> last throat> week throat> traveled to see the end of the X-Men experience as we know it and, uh, sat through <laughs> the dark Phoenix movie. And, uh, yeah, I, I, my first, I think my first impressions to you were that I, was rather you know keen on it i guess you could say i was like you, oh, yeah, it's, it's I, not so bad it's all right yeah yeah, yeah. and exactly. then within about 24 hours i i recanted that and basically said it is a tire fire it is oh, a, a very oh, beautiful boy. looking tire fire but still a tire fire and uh, i stand by that the more i thought about it since i'm like oh crap like and it's more it, it's less oh it's just another sort of subpar x-men movie more like this is the last go around and the second go around on this storyline from goddamn whatever his name is uh, simon kirkman oh yeah i can't remember uh that dude 
um, who was a co-writer or co-producer on The Last Stand. So it's like, I thought, oh, no, this is going to be what he wanted it to be the whole time. Yeah. Maybe there were elements of that. But the more I thought of it, I'm like, man, it was like he couldn't decide if he wanted to do the movie Carrie or a good last X-Men movie. And he decided to just sort of do a a highly mediocre version of both. Well, now, did he write and direct this one? Uh, I believe he wrote it and I mean, he directed it. Oh, okay. Uh, Dark Phoenix. I mean, a couple, I'm not going to do a full review, but a couple just stray thoughts. Uh, One, (laughs) um, you don't, you don't put the killing of a major character in the God dang trailer. So (laughs) that was like lost all its punch. It was a weird death anyway, where I was like, wait, what? What now? Which one are you talking about? Uh, I mean, I guess kind of spoilers, but yeah, not really spoiler. because they put it in the, in the trailer. trailer. Um, no, freaking uh, Raven, Mystique dies. She gets axed oh. like right out of the gate. And you're like, oh, right. I mean, not right out of the gate, but very soon. And it's like, it, it was very, it was funny because Jennifer Lawrence, remember on the first X-Men movie, she's like mutant and proud, you know? And then it's yeah. like, you know, she's, she's always in her blue form. Now it's like any excuse she has to be Jennifer Lawrence and not yeah. blue. They're looking for it. Like she'll just walk into the mansion and just change into a beautiful white woman. You're like, okay. And then it's like the makeup they give her is just her head. I think she's she might even be wearing gloves. Just her head because she's wearing the X suit. And it's like the, the lightest blue paint of all time. And you're just like, did they just – I mean, was it 30 minutes in the chair today? Like what, <laughs> what – what's going on? So it's clear she was just like, get me out of these things. She's a, she's yeah. far from where she, she entered them. I wonder um, if her contract was like, I'll do one more movie, but I will only put on 15% of the makeup. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it felt like it was that kind of a decision. Like, how can we cover her up so we can only do her head? Like, what should we yeah. do? It's also weird. It just, I mean, it just, it, it just betrayed so much that they – they wonderfully set up in first class, which, by the way, Matthew Vaughn movie. I should just know now, moving forward, that Matthew Vaughn, anytime he touches anything, is it's going to be grand. A couple other stray thoughts, though. One, um, for the first time ever and inexplicably, the soundtrack was not Jeff Ottman, uh, who had done, you know, sort of the that marquee that dun 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 like that. That's that guy. Is it Jeff Ottman? Michael Ottman? Um, Ottman X. I don't know. He, but he, uh, the X2 soundtrack and then that theme. Uh, yeah. And they brought him back for uh, Days of Future Past and I think Apocalypse. But no, instead of him or any other composer that you think would be appropriate for this, John Ottman. I'm sorry, John Ottman. They brought in freaking Hans Zimmer. <laughs> so you have mm. this like Dark Knight Returns sound, uh, the, the Batman Begins soundtrack, which is very sort of visceral and there's no like no hummable melody of any kind. And you're like, right. okay, well, that I mean, this is a weird choice for that, you know, this late in the season. Um, so that was odd. And then it just, it's very, very clear to me. I freaking love Math, uh, James McAvoy. I was gonna say Matthew McConaughey. James McAvoy uh, as an actor. He has, he's just not a good Professor Xavier at all. Like, just the more he's on screen and the longer he's Ooh. been in the role, I'm just like, man, I didn't. Uh, like, Do you where think he's, was, was that a tough decision to come to? Did you try to give him a lot of? Credit oh, for it completely. Or, uh, I started noticing though in um, Age of Apocalypse where I'm like, I don't know if you're the best Professor X. Like he he sort of crushed it in uh, Days of Future Past. I, I appreciated him then, but the closer he's gotten to having to be, you know, a version Patrick of Stewart. Patrick yeah. Stewart. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not looking for an impression of Patrick Stewart, but like, I just, I want more of that kind of uh, integrity and sort of class and sophistication. And man, they just, he he's, he's, 
kind of a showboaty Trump-like character in this last movie. It's really weird. Hmm. Um, I mean, really, really weird. Like Ma- Magneto is more Professor X than um, than McAvoy is, and it made me think. You know, the f- first class started as a Matthew Vaughn movie. How awesome would it have been if they could have found a way to get freaking Mark Strong in as Professor X <laughs> instead? Because I'm watching it now, going, "Shit, he's who I want." I want his chemistry off of Fassbender. Um, mm. So that was weird. And then finally, it's just, you know, they could have done all the fun things they ever wanted to do. Put uh, yeah. put Magneto in any kind of costumes. I mean, they didn't even give him gray hair or white hair. It's just like Fassbender literally as he is in real life, just playing himself more or yeah. less. And I was like, really? Like, he's supposed to be 60 here, I, I would gather. Like, why? Oh, Really? I mean, this is 92, and he was, what, 12 during oh, good World point. War II? So yeah. he's probably you know, late 50s, early 60s. Um, and just, like, they didn't do, they didn't bother at all to put any sort of production into the, the makeup so, or any of that. I'm just like, oh, God. So, so he also things. had that in his contract. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, must I, have. I refuse to do more than 15 minutes of makeup. Before I, I mean, all the, what really got me thinking was that the whole cast just, I mean, none of them wanted to be there. I just I don't think I've ever seen a more lethargic movie, and I think I was bamboozled because it's shot beautifully, like it looks really good. Um, but just the I mean, none of that cast well, has any a- interest. I mean, freaking what's her face, Jessica Chastain? I have never seen her more bored or uninterested in oh, anything boy. in my life. Yeah, this is hard to hear because, um, as I told you when we were texting about this, uh, Sophie Turner has been such a delight on the press tour, and so it's you know. I really wanted it to be good sort of for her sake. I was like, yeah, yeah, you're you're so great on talk shows. I hope this movie rules and you're, you know, a movie star now, yeah. not just a um, Game of Thrones star. It's worth noting, by the way, even on the main poster, like the cast poster, Jennifer Lawrence is just Jennifer Lawrence, no blue makeup. She's just standing there. It's like <laughs> there's this beautiful blonde woman just like in the middle of the X-Men. You're like, who's who's that? <laughs> like. They, is, that, is that like Emma Frost? No. And it's just like a selfie that she emailed to the producer when they were like, we got to do a poster. <laughs> they just, Fine. They just, they just put the costume on her. Like, here you go. Can you I mean, look at Fassbender. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send this to you. Like, go to uh, Wikipedia <laughs> and look at the poster. Like, Fassbender's making a face like he just ate a bad taco. James McAvoy looks like he's in a different movie entirely. Uh, I mean, like, I, I don't. Here, let me send this No, to I you. think this is, Um, I, I think I've been seeing this in uh, uh bus stops oh uh, wouldn't surprise me i mean they've never they, i mean i think back to those terrible posters of uh first class where it was the uh the really shitty silhouettes and then like the weirdly cropped like glowy faces appearing in those silhouettes like that was a real campaign and everybody's like who's designing these things now like what yeah what's going on anyway yeah uh, i know with uh Way, way off topic to some degree, but not that far off topic. I, I don't know what I was going to say with way there. Let me, because... ask you, well, let me ask you this real quick. Yeah. Do you think, how long do you think before they, they try to reboot this under the Disney MCU? The Marvel banner. I don't know. I wonder if it just becomes TV shows or something. Is Legion still around? Yeah. And actually just kicked off its third season. Fourth season. Oh, wow. I don't know. Maybe they go that way, you know? That seems um, like it's probably, I mean, if you're going to do these kind of very character driven pieces, I just, you can't, there's only so many times you can have, you can show Magneto floating over a bunch of stuff while he crushes other stuff. That's like, they just need these yeah. set pieces in these movies. I'm like, this could have been like X Machina if you really wanted it to be. Well, and you know, what would be awesome. And and we've gotten moments of it in, in other X-Men movies are those team ups of, of unexpected 
you know, because X-Men have this great history of like kind of hating each other or there's mm -hmm. there's all this rivalry and, you know, bullying because these characters have been bullied as children and that's how they get it out. And I, um, I, there are always these great team ups, whether it's like, uh, uh, you know, Wolverine and Rogue, which was granted like a very affectionate team up or Magneto and Professor X or something mm -hmm. like they could just make movies like that all <laughs> for the rest of time you know yeah just yeah. like pick two or three sort of weirdo long shot uh buddies and put them in an action movie together um yeah i mean you know wolverine professor x and logan was yeah pretty, that relationship was really well fleshed out i i was thinking back though i'm like you know if they wanted to do another dark phoenix movie what they probably should have done just to completely subvert expectations because it's like look this was made when the negotiations uh, the Disney Fox negotiations yeah. were well underway. It probably got little to no attention from either side of that equation. It's like, okay, well, let's just do something really interesting and arty and cool. They could have made a movie as small, a, a Dark Phoenix movie as small as Ex Machina. And instead of bringing in this weird Jessica Chastain character who I just has has no basis in anything any most people know. It's just some random alien they cooked up for literally no reason. Like nothing changed. I mean, she didn't influence the story hardly at all. Why don't you? Hmm. Why don't you actually cast uh, like Brian Cranston as Mister Sinister and have him like get a hold of Jean after the spaceship thing happens and he's like holding hmm. her in like this pen and he gets to sort of reverse Silence of the Lambs or you know like or a reverse oh, hand collector you know and basically like try to bring out you know psycho psychotherapy bring this out of her and then that's the whole crux of the movie is him and then you you get a little of that in this because Jessica Chastain tries to do that but it's just it's not it's not the character study it could or should be um of this of this poor girl who's been sort of the, everybody's victim yeah uh yeah weird well as i was gonna say uh not that was not a total diversion because i am talking about a marvel book today yeah um one that is much more fun than it sounds like dark phoenix was um, <laughs> I, I hope so i'm sure i will end up seeing dark phoenix at some point and maybe we can talk about it more in depth there i did just google the release date of new mutants because i was like where the hell is that movie Never. i know we've talked about this so <laughs> and even when you google it there's like google returns two different results it says august 2nd 2019 as as it is quoting a story saying it's april 2020 uh, <laughs> it's like, it man, like I no one even know. knows I, you've got um, me. but yeah so i as i was traveling last week um and uh, looking at the Kindle app on my iPad, realized at some point, and this must have been a freebie that I totally forgot about, um, but it may have been that big Marvel sale. I don't know, but I, it's, I don't have it in my Comixology library. I just have the Totally Awesome Hulk Volume 1 as a Kindle <laughs> comic. Hmm. Um, and I, you know, I was on this airplane and went, yeah. That's that's totally what I want to read. I had picked up one or two issues of this when it was, you know, it's hard to say rebooted. It wasn't it wasn't like a reboot of Hulk. It was just a new Hulk title in 2015 or 16. I think the full volume was published in 2016, so I'm not sure if, you know, the number one issue debuted the year before or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but the whole idea, and if you go back to our A-Force episode, you'll hear me confused about this as well. I guess there's some, this battle world thing that happens that's like the secret wars deal or something that happened in 2016. And so this you take, battle world, you're not, you're not talking about like a planet Hulk offshoot storyline, are you? Not a planet Hulk, but it was like one of the Marvel event books, it, either civil war two or secret wars. Who okay. knows? 
Um, I mean, I'm sure someone knows, but I think it was Secret Wars. They went to Battle World, so this sort of picks up on that. Sort of like A Force made these allusions to like things that had happened on Battle World. Okay. Um, so uh, is this but- is this a book? Well, let's just define that right there. Is this a book that you do lose a little of because you don't know all that continuity? No. I was going to say, I didn't even realize it was a battle world book or that, that battle world took place before it. Um, uh, until I read, until I was putting together my notes for this episode and read the back cover from Amazon, because I was able to jump in and, and immediately get it. And it gave me just enough sort of hook into a backstory and this, the, this new Hulk's relationship with Bruce Banner. Mm-hmm. So the new Hulk is this teenager named Amadeus Cho. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has a sidekick uh, of his sister who has no superpowers, except she's also a genius. But of course, we know Amadeus is a genius because he tells us all the time that he's a genius. And from mm-hmm. living in, in America the last three years, we know that that's totally what geniuses do, is they just tell you they're a genius all the oh, time. I am a genius. But he's yeah. a teenager. That's new to me because I always yeah. kind of pegged him as like mid to late 20s or something like that. So. Yeah. So you, yeah. So teenagers. So he's kind of a, a very unstable genius. He's like one of those um, Saved by the Bell teenagers that look like they had some sort of growth, <laughs> growth hormone entered into them at uh, age yeah. nine. Um, I will, uh, what I'm going to talk about today that's different is I'm only going to really review issues one through four okay um and we'll talk about the other issues um but that's what i want to i mean that's the story i'll talk about but that's not like trade paperback number three no it is a trade paper i mean i'm i have the you know digital version of the trade paperback volume one volume one so there are six or seven issues in this i think there's seven um and yeah i just want to talk about one through four but they (laughs) those were all written by greg pack and illustrated by Frank Cho. This is a Marvel comic book published 2016. Here's the back cover. <clears throat> uh, there's a brand new Hulk in town, and his name is Amadeus Cho! Exclamation mark. Get ready for gamma-fueled entertainment as the kid genius decides he's going to be the best Hulk ever and just possibly brings the entire world crashing down into chaos! Exclamation mark. Uh, Cho is taking on the biggest monsters in the Marvel Universe, but can he handle the danger posed by Lady Hellbender? What will She-Hulk and Spider-Man make of this very different Green Goliath? And what exactly happened to Bruce Banner? With monster mayhem in the mighty Marvel manner, all from the wild and crazy minds of Planet Hulk writer Greg Pak and superstar artist Frank Cho, this is better than incredible. It's totally awesome. Plus, (laughs) did Ted Theodore Rogan write this back of the book? (laughs) Probably. They're totally Uh, awesome. I am realizing that how useless the back of the book for Marvel books is because I've read them now for several, and it's like in the right in the second sentence of reading it, I go, "Ah, man, this is so stupid." It doesn't tell you anything about it. I think about your well, I think about your Domino book. That seemed I think that was a (laughs) a pretty pretty like wait what? By the way. I also want to see a movie or a, well, probably never going to be a movie, maybe, but at least a book where Lady Hellbender and Lady Deathstrike unite together to fight Lady J from the G.I. Joe uh, <laughs> universe. Now, is Lady Hellbender a known quantity to you? Not at all. First time okay. I ever heard it. That's why I looked it Same. up. I'm like, how many Lady something or another are there in this whole thing? Well, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Same. Um, I was going to say, so it, it definitely sort of throws you into the middle of it um, without an origin story, which is great. That is awesome. Um, I don't so know Amadeus, how. Amadeus Cho just, it, Cho just is Hulk. Yeah. 
it's okay. first scene is like there's on a beach and something is rising out of the water that is sort of monster shape and size. And his sister, um, uh, Madame Curie Cho or Maddie, <laughs> um, is like talking to him through this robot, which looks like a keg of beer and they call kegger. And it's just sort of a floating robot presence so that she can be near the battle and observe it, but safe now, is in there her any kind of like van. I'm assuming I mean, is, does, is it clear? Is he Chinese, Japanese, Korean? Like, does it, like what is his his uh, origin? They don't. It's it's not called out, you know. Well, I asked because if he's, if, I didn't know if there was some sort of subtle like kind of play at manga if he was Japanese and she's like, you know, they kind of make everything sort of arch and animated if if you know she's talking to him through this robot or something. Or is that do they not stylistically try to do that for any reason? Um, I don't. Uh, I. You know, a, a quick Google search tells me that um, he is a Korean American. Okay, but so it's not. It is not. Um, yeah, they're not playing with that. I mean, I think this is this is more Reed Richards kind of stuff. Of like, there's a, okay. there's a little, uh, you know, robot. So she literally like sits in a van that's full of computers um, and uh, food. I believe maybe maybe they have well, a food the reason- truck. I, and I then, just, yeah, I think and the she, reason I the reason I ask is just because I've been I just finished um, Spider Man into the Spider Verse at your recommendation, and there is that crap, yeah. that is there is that sort of manga derived character. Yes, and I'm like, ooh, maybe this is kind of like another sort of shout out, maybe a subtler version of that. But you're saying no, that doesn't. No, 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 no. And especially the way it's drawn by Frank Cho is like this is just the fun cartoon like Hulk. Like this is just comic book Hulk. You know, got it. Um, uh, yeah. And, and that's kind of like, I, I don't know, like that, that to me was enough. You know, I didn't, um, I like when Hulk stories play with the, the, the darkness and the light and the way they do it in this one is, um, and I would say go back to the, the Hulk gray episode that we did, because in that yeah. one, Bruce Banner, um, is visiting a psychologist. And, um, but in this one, the way it's, uh, represented is that Amadeus will be asleep and he will be having a dream that he's driving this convertible and he's having so, you know, he's just so enjoying himself and he'll glance in the rearview mirror and the Hulk sitting there. Huh? So it's like the Hulk, he's in the driver's seat, but the Hulk is right behind him. And so that's the metaphor, or I, I don't even know if you can call it a metaphor since it is visual and they, you know, they get to play with it like in a visual way. Like when the Hulk eventually takes over. Is it um, like a uh, Jekyll and Hyde and uh, yeah, which, gentleman where he's sort of the shadow of the other person is always kind of there talking to them, but it's, it's totally because it's okay. like he'll walk in a room past a mirror and he'll, the Hulk's face will be there, you know, yeah. <clears throat> but, but the whole play on this is Amadeus is saying, I, I know the mistakes that banner made, and I'm not going to repeat them. And I have this under control. Mm-hmm. Um, so which, of course, is like, you know, the most uh, apparent irony ever. That's, you know, it's that's the uh, egotism of Tony Stark, you know, right there of like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. I invent <laughs> massive weapons and artificial intelligences that can destroy the world. But I'm not a bad guy. So nothing bad yeah. will happen. No. Um, uh, but what is super hooked me is. So there's that opening scene on the beach. Maddie is telling Amadeus, like, turn into the Hulk. Hulk out now. They got trouble on the beach. Go, go. And he's like, I've got to cram all these calories in my mouth. So he's eating all this junk food um, because he gets exhausted being the Hulk. 
uh, mm-hmm. very flash kind of thing there. Um, but then now, he real uh, quick is the Hulk that he turns into also sort of out of control or is it much no. more like professor Hulk? It's like professor Hulk. So okay. he can, and, and he's like sort of snaps in and out at will. So he snaps in and uh, fights this huge monster. <laughs> Okay. Which is like, like a kaiju kind of thing that he's mm. fighting. And then, uh, then the story comes out that he and Maddie have been tracing these, these weird sort of monster eruptions around the globe. And so they will travel to that place, wait for the monster to come out. He will fight it. And once he knocks it out, he hits it with this little shrinking ray and it becomes sort of uh, rodent sized. So he mm. can pick up these like, you know, devastating little kaiju and they drop them in these little, like, uh, you know, little uh, chemistry set sort of <laughs> chemistry, I guess is the wrong word, like biology sort of thing where it's like a, a little terrarium for the monster. Um, and so that's what they're doing. And then he very quickly um, uh, thinks he is under attack by Lady Hellbender when she arrives on Earth. But it turns out she is doing the same thing. She's collecting these monsters um from all over the universe to return to her dimension or planet. I don't quite remember exactly how it's, how it's put together um, because they, she basically wants to set up like a zoo for them. Mm. Um, so she is not shrinking them. She has this crazy huge spaceship and she is just keeping these full size monsters on board. Mm. So, you know, monsters, uh, a Hulk um, with a subtle uh, Jekyll Hyde problem. That's not like the, the focus of the book uh i i was like this is this is totally the hulk i want to see this is the fun hulk that i you know i i, I want to watch him beating up monsters and and getting yeah. kind of you know squished in between the fights and stuff so yeah i i totally love that um so let's recap it's yeah. it is do, do we do we ever learn how he can become like how he got the hulk ability so I, I, this is where it gets fuzzy because I've read other little snippets like from Wikipedia and, you know, on Amazon and stuff. And kind of, it was sort of like, as soon as I started to piece things together, I was like, oh, I, I don't even want to know. But, um, so I don't totally understand the events that preceded this, but I think that Amadeus Cho was already a figure sort of in the Marvel hero pantheon in some like super genius boy genius way okay um and there are flashbacks in this book to a rescue operation that hulk did where he absorbed all of this and shit i can't believe i forgot the name of it he absorbed this different kind of radiation than gamma so he went into this accident site and bruce like intentionally reabsorbed this other energy but then that made all of his molecules unstable so Tony Stark and um, T'Challa and I'm sorry that I don't remember the third person are all observing how this is affecting Bruce. And they've got him in this sort of containment unit. They're hoping he doesn't blow up. And Amadeus arrives on the scene and says, hey, I've got the answer. You know, it's blah, blah, blah. And they don't listen to him. So he ends up putting on his own little containment suit that's, um, you know, he's modified in some way and going out to Bruce. And what we learn in a really subtle way I, I really liked how this was all done in the book i thought it was great there's a scene that i i don't want to spoil but just between like banner's face and amadeus's face and you're like oh man i really love this back and forth they're having this one-on-one mm-hmm. um and then it, it it ends right there so it's not like that happens and then you have a hulk sized accident where he becomes hulk yeah. but 
I think we're meant to believe like that's the missing piece from whatever you knew about him on battle world or whatever. But my thinking is that you don't need to know what happened in, on in secret wars or battle world or whatever. Like that's enough to kind of get the hint of like, Oh shit. You know, he went down and thought he was going to, uh, you know, use this containment suit to fix banner. And he ended up absorbing the radiation himself and becoming this different kind of Hulk. It's interesting um, you bring this up. I've been pondering this for a, a little while now uh, in terms of, of how story handles characters. And it, when I say story, I I could be meaning comics and graphic novels, but also TV movies, etc. And it's like we've had so many movies now that they ha- they just like they have to. They have to. Or TV shows. We have to tell you the origin story. We have to give it to you. It's just we have to. And it's like, okay, for some things, that's fine. But clearly for those things like Spider-Man, Batman, et cetera, we just, as a culture, don't need it for at least 100 years. Yeah. We, we got it. But then I thought about, you know, Netflix's Jessica Jones doesn't give it to you right away. It, it, that is not the important question right out of the gate. It becomes the important question as time goes on. And I like that subversion of it. But I also was thinking about like, you know, I mean, take one of my favorite characters, Dr. Freaking Who. You, you never, we never know what the doctor is truly all about. He get, he or she gives sort of glimpses like, Oh, you know, he always kind of waves it off. Like, well, I ran away. You know, I, I looked into the void and I ran away. I was too scared, blah, blah, blah. I, it, it's still never quite clear. And mm. I, you know, I hope they never, pardon me. I hope they never address that. Cause I think once you do, it removes even more of the mystery from that character, especially yeah. after, after 50 years of, of sort of mil- you know, milking that particular angle. But just, I mean, how do you feel about, stories in general handling especially in comics like does that should we should we be expecting more books to not delve into the origin story motif as much i would definitely appreciate that i mean my biggest fear with spider-man homecoming was <laughs> that they were going to show us a origin story yeah and because i felt i when i watched those andrew garfield well i only watched the first one when i watched that i was like i why are you even starting with this we already know like we <laughs> This is so dumb. You're wasting precious time. Well, that's a weird one too. It's like his parents are in the CIA. You're like, that's okay. That's a new element. I, I, and that's, it's just so dumb. And I, you know, I, I thought it was beautifully shot, but I don't understand why Zack Snyder told the, you know, Batman falling in the well story Uh, again. Again. Um, Uh. I think, you know, one of the very few, well, granted the Marvel solo movies have done a pretty good job on all the origin stories. I I'll give them that. I do think I really enjoyed the Batman begins version of Batman where it's like, you know, he's, he's piece by piece putting it together Yeah. rather than, um, you know, all at once. And I, I think into the spider verse did a really good job at that too. Um, Batman begins had to do that because it had to find a way to reintroduce that entire universe in a grounded methodical way, piece by piece to just remove itself from the, the Schumacher continuity. You know, oh, just like God. we we just no come problem. off of like the most over the top where we're like stuff like the most impossible stuff was never explained. Right. Like, right. what do you do to, to draw a clear line in the sand? You say, oh, we're gonna show you the most like practical stuff, but even show you how these things came into being. Like yeah. everything will have an explanation so that you know this is not that version of the of Batman. I just, you know, I, I'm thinking about a Marvel movie, like let's say they had just dropped us into I mean, you, you needed that for Iron Man. You had to have like you know Tony Stark go through that transformation. Yeah. You had to have it for Captain America. I mean, you can't just jump in a Captain America movie and not say like, well, 
you know, he was a skinny, you know, yeah, kid with yeah. a lot of heart. You kind of, I mean, Thor, I guess, just is sort of Thor. So that sort of, I guess, worked. But then he had sort of a origin arc, I guess you could say. Like, well, here's the real Thor. He yeah. learned a lesson, and now this is who we'll come to know. I mean, I don't necessarily want a Black Widow origin story. I don't want what? a Hawkeye origin story. I don't want. I mean, I kind of thought I wanted the Nick Fury origin, but not now that I got it, I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I want that. <laughs> like, I'd rather the whole knowing exactly where the eye comes from is not the most interesting part of Nick Fury anymore. Like, that's just all these little affectations kind of help flesh out a, you know, a life of sub, subterfuge and mystery, and like, you know, it's almost kind of like the Joker, where every time somebody asked him about the eye, he'd just tell a different story. Yeah, I <laughs> mean, um, that would be kind of fun. So it's like, I don't, I mean, I'm gonna really. Where I'm going with all this is I'm going to be really fascinated to see what the Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix does this fall. Mm. Is it something that, you know, is is knowing that you're having this slice of the the Joker's background, does that enrich your appreciation of that and, and the the, the Batman myth, uh, mythos at a greater level? Or is it, does it give you information that you should never have had? Like it's like, yeah. I'll never be able to look at the character again. I, I don't know. This is all. I, yeah, I can tell you what I think. No. I don't need to know the Joker's backstory at all. I mean, this trailer looks so good, though. I just it popped up at Dark Phoenix. I'm like, man, I don't know how a 50 year old man is becoming the Joker, but I mean, we're gonna find out. That's that's just it. It's like it's 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 daring well, you to ask that question. Like, well, how's this gonna? Work? Well, I think one of the cool things. So, totally awesome. Hulk came out right at that same time where X23 became Wolverine and Jane okay. Foster became Thor and Miles A-Force Morales. came out. So, well, Miles had been around in the Ultimates universe for a while. Oh, I'm, he had? And I think I'm there was like a moment when like all like... There was a moment when they merged it and I'm fuzzy on that history, but it wasn't the 2016 like all new, all different Marvel. Okay. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, there was a very deliberate um, move that they made to diversify their characters uh, in, in all ways, you know, like, um, like, like from the creators up, you know, down to like the ethnicities of the characters to the genders of the characters. And, um, so I, the way those origins were handled, I think was done really well. Like, so Amadeus Cho, I, I guess if you had known Amadeus Cho before this into secret wars, like this might be exciting for you, but not knowing that huh, it's still cool. Like, that's fine. You don't really need to explain the Hulk. Like, it's sort of, you know, he's been around for a long time. Um, you know, the the Thor story with Jane Foster was interesting. The way they, uh, uh, you know, sort of told that after the fact of her picking up the hammer. You know, it became a mystery for Odin's son to unravel. And and then you learned more about the effects on, on Jane herself. And, I, you know, I thought those, to me, that's the way to do an origin story. And not start from, like, babyhood of the... <laughs> <laughs> the character yeah and like all you know that would have been so tiresome when marvel was trying to quickly um you know just flip the scripts on on all of their heroes that would have, that would have taken too long so this works really well but that is a, that leads directly into the next thing i wanted to talk about which is why i think like issues one through four are greg pack and frank cho okay um greg pack writes the next two issues um, and then there's a sort of bonus issue included, but uh, Mike Choi takes over the art and mm -hmm. his art is great. It's wonderful, but it is not the comic booky, like cartoony, superhero-y, like fun art of Frank Cho. And the other problem is that then after that, the Lady Hellbender monster hunting story is done at the end of issue four. And 
Um, I was initially really hopeful for the next uh, issue because as you go into it, um, it has to do with the Enchantress who's like from Asgard or something. Mm -hmm. And so there's some sort of cool, you know, Jane Foster Thor crossover. Um, At least these dwarves make this amazing weapon for Hulk. But it just never it never rises to that same sense of fun of him punching out monsters on the so beach. So this isn't, this know? isn't like a trade where it's like, Oh, volume no. one, one arc starts. Classic. This like, is, yeah, this is the classic various issues. And here you go. Yeah. Okay. The, the problem we've talked about, or at least I've talked about with several, several Marvel titles is that they just have some, you know, like directive or mission to put together every single issue in order rather than keep arcs together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when there were titles that I collected, granted they weren't Marvel titles, like when there were DC titles, like I wanted every issue of Catwoman, you know, that um, I can't even remember, like Jim Ballant was, was doing the art for. Okay. Uh, I, I think they eventually released that. I think I have that on my shelf, but um, I, I didn't, but then, you know, when it came to like specific stories, I just want the specific story. I don't need the DVD extras at the end. Mm -hmm. And I, there's definitely a thing about, well, I don't know. I would probably feel the same in print because I was going to say it's a disappointment in digital because you, you're looking down at that bar that just tells you how many pages you have left. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, wait a second, this has nothing to do with the other stuff. You know, Um, it's difficult to feel like, wow, I, you know, I'm looking at this, this, this book and only half of it is something I want to read or a little bit more than half, you know? Uh, and yeah, so nothing against those creators. It's, it's just a packaging problem. Um, and mm. that's, that's all I want to say. I, I, you know, would totally endorse a, a teenage Hulk fighting monsters, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, after eating a bunch of hot dogs on the beach. Um, and the, when it, when it's, when he, when that, person becomes i don't know you know when it when the stakes are upped or he becomes like you know walking around with sort of gods you know like thor that's when it just gets it goes kind of off the rails for me like mm-hmm. ah, i just don't this is not really the story i i wanted to see there's mm-hmm. there's and it's not because he's interacting with other heroes because she hulk and i believe it's miles as spider-man show up in issues one through four and it's totally fun to see them talking to each other uh, because like here are these two hulks that aren't actually related mm-hmm. you know and but they have this this uh similar you know origin point of bruce banner and so you know it's kind of a neat dynamic there and, and spider-man is spider-man like you know being uh a fool which is fun um but yeah then after after issue four it's just sort of eh you know have you gone uh, ahead to look at anything from volumes two three and beyond Nope, and I don't even know if they exist. Actually, hmm. do you? <laughs> uh, I mean, well, I thought maybe you, I thought you'd offhandedly mentioned this was like volume one of something. Maybe. Oh, there is actually a volume two, um, I, because I have the page open in front of me, and a volume three. The volume two is it looks like exclusively Civil War two. So boo. Yeah. Um, and then volume three, uh, it, you know, is called Big Apple Showdown. It, maybe it's a return to form. They're all by Greg Pak. So. I, you know, that's some great consistency. Uh, I just don't, you know, um, reading this digitally, like uh, when you can just sort of duck in and read those four issues. Awesome. Perfect. 
you know, but it's not, and it's, it's been so long now since the series actually came out, you know, I don't, I don't know that you want to go hunt down all those other issues, but um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I ended up. Who'd you like better, <laughs> Amadeus Cho or Bruce Banner by the time you were done? Oh, for sure. Uh, Cho um, or Chulk as She-Hulk starts calling him. Uh, he is uh, really? <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I mean it's just just for the fun part i that hulk gray is still you know one of my favorite books and like such an awesome telling of the jekyll hyde problem of hulk uh-huh. um but all these hulks where it's like the immortal hulk and the you know totally invincible hulk and a planet full of hulks and be careful hulk, immortal hulk's getting a lot of good press these days. yeah i just but i just don't eh, the the interesting thing about Hulk is the instability, you know? Um, interesting. You say that because Endgame totally removed that instability from the equation. Like it's, it's like, yeah. you know, once he decided to become professor Hulk and yeah. he never, he didn't have that struggle. He just became, he almost became background noise. It's like, Oh yeah, Bruce, there's banner. Yeah. He's doing, they give him some jokes here and they're like, he's kind of, he's not nearly as interesting. You yeah. just don't pay attention to him as much. I mean, but at the same time, I feel Given this, given the Marvel Universe's array of technology and geniuses, you know, self-proclaimed geniuses around every corner, yeah, um, all of this stuff, you'd think they could have developed a way because the whole, I mean, on based on some continuity, the the Hulk situation is an extension of the Super Soldier Serum. I know in other, yeah, yeah. you know, in other situations, it's it's caused or driven via other things, but it's it's you know, if you take the Super Soldier Serum route. It's like, oh, we couldn't replicate it the way they could for rep- uh, Captain America. You know, there's something went wrong. He becomes, you know, Banner becomes a Hulk. Why? Why couldn't? Why can't they solve this? Like, you'd think that like the Professor Hulk solution would come about so much faster from forever now. Like, it just seems weird that they could publish any Hulk book where he's crazy. You know, it's just well, I, I've <laughs> I say this because like the Cho removes that from the equation from the from the get go. So it's like, okay, he's not going to have this like thing where at the end of volume one, then he'll get his senses. It's like, you know, and they just rehash banner. It's like, they just kind of drop you in. I just, I, for me, it's at some point, I think the limitations of that character have always been, you know, sort of predefined. Like at some yeah. point it's just going to be boring. Well, and so it's, that's such a great point to bring up because in the flashback where Cho is confronting banner, who's absorbed all this radiation as the Hulk and they've, they've got him in this, you know, uh, Stark and T'Challa have him in this like containment unit um, underwater uh, for some dumb reason. Their contingency plan is to blast him into the sun. <laughs> so that's totally what the reasonable person in the room is is saying. Wow. And Amadeus and you know, and I, th- I guess Stark to some extent is like trying to keep him around. Like he's but he's done so much good for humanity or whatever. And to me, uh, ha- like having Amadeus like. I, you know, I like the way it was treated, but story-wise, like if this were real history, I guess, mm-hmm. if they had blasted him into the sun, I would have been like, yep, that's exactly what you should have done. You know, I mean, that's yeah. I, like, that's great. He's already done the thing where he saved humanity, absorbed all that radiation, but now he can't stay here as a human, like a not even human sized, but a Hulk sized atomic bomb. Like you've got to send him into this into a star <laughs> see I mean, i'm even hearing that though and i'm just like you know I, that just that just sounds it, it just sounds 
not boring so much as just it doesn't it doesn't fit what that character could be. For, I mean, for me, the ultimate version of the Hulk was the Bill Bixby TV show because mm, yeah, he was yeah, like yeah. on the I, run. <laughs> yeah, on the run. But like it, it's that, but it's also sort of quantum leap esque, where it's like, look, I have this problem, this condition. Yeah. I'm going to try to channel it into as much good and, and help people as much as possible, but I can never stick around because just as, just as much as this gift can help people, it will always make it so that nobody will trust me and know, like I have to move on to the next time. So that just, that is the struggle. Like that's yeah. the, that's the heart of it is this guy who's got this almost kind of disease and he's got to yeah. channel it in this productive way. I, I dream and then we're never going to get it now nor do i want it now it's too late but i dream of, a, of an alternate reality where we had two or three mark ruffalo like mid 2000s yeah. movies you know around you know maybe 2007 8 around the time iron man one came out we had two or three mark ruffalo movies that were exactly that him you know and you could play with genre one of them could be more like a western because he's sort of in this small town and you know in new mexico and he's got to you know fend it off from a you know an invading drug lord or something like that could be one of them another one could be like an inter- you can do an international kind of thing i mean yeah. you could really play well, with that and mark ruffalo would have crushed that when he was young oh yeah i mean think of i is it in the first avengers where black widow goes to get him out yeah in, like yeah yeah like that whole story right there is so great of oh, like perfect like, and it, it's just a little bit of it but it's like you could have done a whole movie on this guy that you know it opens up with him uh, you know fighting the chitari and then it and then it in you know then the the you know second act of it is him going out into the jungle to help people as a doctor because he's like i can't do this it's crazy yeah. it's gonna destroy yeah. me they, uh, well the the um both that movie the ruffalo version of the character and then the bill bixby version two they both kind of treat it like it is jekyll and hyde like you know right 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 yeah. ruffalo was the first actor to say like the other guy and refer to it like it is like, yeah, yeah yeah other personality where ed norton was more like he he did treat it like a disease like i gotta cure my disease i gotta find a way to stop yeah. you know whereas ruffalo is like just he's come to terms with it bill bixby's kind of the same way where it's like hey this other you know i've got a friend who's gonna help out from time to time um so, and even I just I, I as a kid really liked that show and it's still I'll catch it every once in a while on streaming and just you know the effects haven't aged well but the the scripts are pretty strong mm. like you could take any number of those scripts and adapt those to a movie pretty pretty easily or at least a, a you know higher quality Disney Plus Netflix kind of style show yeah I like the anyway. way you're picking apart this Ruffalo character because you're right they totally defanged Hulk in Endgame yeah like once you see him with the glasses on like joking around in the diner it's like no you know thor's the funny one yeah yeah <laughs> they made him the depressing the, one you're like okay yeah <laughs> exactly this is a like, turn of turn of phrase yeah hulk was always scarier than everything even in ragnarok it's pretty scary when it's like yeah when he um you know confesses like he didn't know how long he had been the hulk it's like oh shit yeah, yeah. you've got that's a serious problem dude um yeah so it, you know uh, that's my recommendation. If you can borrow this, do it and read issues one through four. Fantastic. <laughs> well, I, I like this pick. I like that. We do a, a big two pick every once in a while. We get really indie ha- heavy. Um, and so it's nice to kind of remind folks that, yeah, there's, there are two big ass companies that you've heard of and, and know of their, their work. So yeah, there you go. Um, I mean, we do a fair amount of DC stuff. I just don't feel like we do as much Marvel stuff as we really, Oh, I've done, but I've done a bunch. Recently. I guess you have. Yeah, you're right. Because uh, when I uh, looked down in my like recommended, if you like, it was all from that Marvel reboot of, you know, things, things I mentioned, uh, the, uh, the, 
the mighty Thor when it was Jane Foster and a force. And, oh, you're um, right. You know, unstoppable Domino. wasp. And, or Domino's not. Yeah. Mockingbird Domino, like, but all of those, like I, I, you know, there's a Marvel feel to those that I think is cool. And it's, I think, I, you know, I'll tell you what too, is I think one through four of this, you would ask a while ago, you and I had a conversation of like, what do you give to a sort of tween kid that's, that likes the Marvel movies and wants to get into books. Mm-hmm. One issues, one through four of this would be great. Cause it's like, oh, he's fighting monsters and it's like, there's, you know, there's like kind of goofy jokes in it. Like it's basically Hulk wearing board shorts, you know, not ripped up uh, <laughs> jeans. And, you know, there's a, there's a moment where the ocean takes his shorts away. And so they have this like, you know, funny uh, uh, beefcake kind of drawing of him covering up his, you know, Hulk junk. Um, and like kids would think that's funny, you know, kids would think that's like really hilarious and that, and yeah, this would be good for that it's it's never like it never crosses the line into you know r-rated stuff it's just fun not dr manhattan standing there just green well, yeah with a blue <laughs> dick just hanging out yeah no, <laughs> which by the way real quick on that i i have all i mean i have completely given up on being at all interested in this watchman dc rebirth thing like i just jesus christ i don't know if anybody out there is reading it i started to i was and then it turned it quickly quickly turned into hate reading it wait and, reading it which what, the Watchmen re, so the Watchmen uh, like rebirth thing that they've been doing the last like year, where they're introducing oh. Watchmen into the DC. Like Batman's investigating something, he goes to the <sighs> Watchmen universe. It's like it's just it is it just reeks. I mean, it's everything Alan Moore warned us about, which yeah. is like look. As soon as we start doing that, it's going to be just nothing but corporate indulgence. It's so completely- self-parroting. I mean, it's just, it is the very definition of that shitty word synergy where you're just like, yeah, you know, they tout it as like a, a value add. You're like, no, no, all you're doing is taking things that should never go together. And just because you own them, you're saying, well, they should, let's put them together why, and sell why more. Are, why are they not just making new heroes that are actually good? Like, I don't know. you know, it's the joke about like on Star Trek where the, um, you know, the, the red shirts never have a name, you know, yeah. and um, you just know that they go to a planet and like they're dead. And in DC, it's like when, whenever someone has a stupid superhero name, you're like, well, <laughs> you're not going to make it out of this book. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I'll tell you the uh, back on the, on the Watchmen though. I'll tell you that uh, I just recently rewatched spotlight. And to me, the most shocking revelation in that is that Billy Crudup's penis is blue. <laughs> but, um, bum. Oh God. I, I couldn't write that really well because wow. I was trying to do it in the moment. But um, wow. I will say, well, real quick, it, and massive spoilers. If you haven't read it and you care about this, you think you might pick it up, like maybe pause right here, yeah, um, because this is sort of a big spoiler. And I, I for Watchmen for the Watchmen Rebirth okay. series that's going on right now. So where I, it just officially finally lost me was when Doctor Manhattan appears on the moon to both Metron and the new guy who's the new Metron who's in the Mobius chair. Um, forget who that is, like Owl Man or something, but not not Night Owl from the Watchmen verse, but like just Owl Man. And Metron's teaching him how to use the Mobius chair, and Doctor Manhattan appears and just ices them both. I'm like, okay, so how strong is he? Like, what 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 are you suggesting that this guy is literally stronger than Darkseid in any any reality? So he's just he is like that was never the case in the Watchmen universe. Like there was, you know, it, I, really. Well, I mean, that's interesting. I and I don't know who Metron and the mobius chair or whatever you mentioned are so what um, oh my god dude yeah. this, this proves that i am more of a dc person i think and you might be more of a marvel i mean you're clearly yeah. more of a marvel person than i am but i that's interesting because i've always felt like i was a dc person but i think you're right 
I fall into that DC canon hardcore though. Like I like I look at a Marvel event book like a series like you know where you have to buy 10 issues of interrelated things to make it all fit together like i look at that and i just i'm just like no i don't want no yeah, and yeah at, in the same breath i'll pick up the you know the darkest night green lantern like super art yeah. and read every inter- interdependent thing because i'm like ooh, look at this <laughs> ooh, and then this and i i'm i and it's not for any reason other than i just i feel like the mythology of the dc universe is just so much more into it just it fits my aesthetic yeah. more than i think the marvel one does in comics at this time yeah, um, vision. You know, but you know, single things like the vision, sort of. You know, that yeah, that's interesting because I I think I duck into DC for single things. Huh. But that'll be. We should we should now track that now that we're aware of it. And I I did want to add one other note is that I I realized um uh, just a moment ago where I got totally awesome Hulk. It looks like it is still available on Prime Reading. Huh. So okay. if you want to check it out and you're a Prime member, you should be able to just download it to your Kindle app and read it for free. Like Fantastic. it's not it's not that paid kindle unlimited thing it's prime reading so okay um yeah but that's that's all i got that right now great well <laughs> if you like this uh check out our other episodes we've we've got a hundred and then some uh yeah this is 119 of, Ooh, 119 wow man we're just racking them up um we talk about a lot of books we'll, some we'll be revisiting as we have with the recent multiversity episode if you like yeah, the show cool. Subscribe, search for uh, Panelism wherever you find podcasts and subscribe and tell your friends and tell us what you think. You can leave comments in our Instagram uh, account, which is panelism.inc on Instagram. That's panelism.inc. And finally, we have a website, which is also panelism.inc. That is the extension, not .com, just .inc. That's where all the stuff is. It gets to be a mouthful every time, but man, it's, it's all there. It's all there for you. Excellent. Well, uh, thanks for doing this episode that we touched on so much. We thought we had a short, concise episode on one book, and we, uh, we hit on a lot. That was that was cool. I just got, I just, got, I just turned, and I just, my, the curiosity got the better of me. There we go. That's what it <laughs> no, no, no. We also Dark Phoenix, Hulk movies. Man, that was great. Um, Bill Bixby. Uh, yeah. I believe, I believe the Hulk's name in that was David Banner. Not Bruce. You're right. No, you're absolutely you're right. Crazy. That always confused me as a kid. I'm like, wait, is he a brother? Banner. I think they just changed the yeah. ghost because they could. Uh, I wonder, or if it was like their star's name was already alliterative. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Bill Bixby as Bruce Banner. That, that, um, that was the 80s. A lot of weird decisions just happened. Some guy with a cigar somewhere. Yeah, I don't like that name. Call him David. Call him David. I'm sure. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he had a name right out of Stan Lee's you know, imagination. Oh, yeah, Bill, really. Bill Bixby. I'm just going to fade out on all this chatter. We'll just... You know, that is... It, the Ruffalo Hulk is the... Once he, once he appeared, I'm like, oh! It's kind of one of the joys of that first Avengers movie. You're like, oh, God, this is... This is what it should have been this whole time. Like, he... Because I... I mean, I truly did like that very first Ruffalo <clears throat> Never eat Triscuits before a podcast. It sounds like a good warm-up phrase. I was going to say, it sounds like the, uh, again, those things that Will Ferrell would say at yeah. the beginning of Anchorman. The human torch was denied a bank loan. Yeah. Uh. <laughs>